Thank God it's free range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now. UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Alvesen, kicking things off for us tonight. New track from Chastity, that's Dying to Live. 
single from the forthcoming LP out on Dynalone Records. Uh, we've got a busy show for you tonight. Two guests. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Olivia Norquay, who we've had on the show in the past, uh, but is now taking over at Cinematech and uh, programming uh, her first series. We're going to talk about that right after this next number. And then uh, a little after that, University of Manitoba professor George Tolls uh, has a book out and he will be appearing as part of the Thin Air Winnipeg International Writers Festival, which kicks off this weekend. Uh, it's a virtual festival or at least semi-virtual, semi-physical. Uh, Tolls will be talking about his book, Status Update, uh, out through APA Press. Um, if you listen to Turning Pages on Mondays, I will have Elizabeth DeMariaffi on on this coming Monday to talk about a book that is appearing as part of the festival. But uh, I've got so many books and so many authors lined up. We're going to double dip and and have the University of Manitoba one on this evening. Uh, before we get to that, though, something new from Apollo Suns. This is Lake Country, and it's supposed to be a beautiful weekend. Hoping to go to the beach for one last trip, so uh, maybe driving up to Lake Country. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM.
All right. Well, return guest and friend of the show, Olivia Norquay, is now the programming coordinator at Cinematech, and her first series is coming up. She joins us by phone. How are you doing, Olivia? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Very well. Uh, excited to talk to you. Excited to, to have movies uh, again, uh, to, to like to go to movies, right? I mean, obviously, over, over the last year and a half, people have been watching shows at home, but to, to go to a theater and experience film in, in a setting with fellow film lovers is, is a big thing, and particularly important at a place like Cinematech. Yeah, yeah. It's been really great to be in the theater again. It's a, it is a little strange to be around uh, people again, but yeah, it's been, it's been cool. It's been fun. So in terms of uh, programming things, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about this series that you, you're, you're putting on, but mm-hmm. like entirely your discretion or do you have kind of like some limitations or what, what's kind of like, how do you work things out for, for programming right now? For programming? Um, yeah, there aren't a lot of limitations other than whether or not a film is available. And with the series that I, that I have been working on, it has been kind of, difficult just because uh, some of these films are like over 20 years old and um, yeah, with just issues with distribution and stuff, but that's really the only limitation I'd say. Now when you say, you know, availability and they're like 20 years old, is it like there's only a few prints of some things or? Or no prints at all or, no or nothing has been like digitally sort of saved. Um, I'm, I'm still learning so mm-hmm. <laughs> the terminology is sure. a, little, a little rough. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just curious as to kind of like what what roadblocks get in the way of kind of like a grand design or something. Um, so this is the new French Extremity series, mm-hmm. um, and I guess the oldest film is 21 years old. Is that right? Uh, yeah, 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 correct. So is that something you had you know seen 20 21 years ago, or like how did how did Bismarck come across your your transom? Um, it is. It's come up just because, like, I'm a, I'm a fan of the genre and have seen um, other films of this subgenre, and it is kind of like this infamous film because it was um, initially banned and had all these like censorship issues surrounding it. So I thought it'd be um, an interesting movie to include in the series. It is a quite challenging film to watch, but as you know, as the, which is pretty um, to be expected from this subgenre. But I think it'll be. It'll be an interesting film for audiences, I think. Now, you said this subgenre, this was apparently like a pejorative term, this new French mm-hmm. extremity. Yeah. How did it come about and like what was kind of the intent behind the the, the terminology or like the, the framing of works like this? Um, I think initially it was um, described as new French extremity films as a way to sort of like put the genre down or just to like, I don't think it was initially taken very seriously because it is so, so violent. And yeah, I guess like on the surface, it wasn't um, considered like serious cinema Mm. or have you. Yeah. So the, the film critic who coined it was, was using it as like a dismissive term. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As with other dismissive terms, was this something that was eventually kind of like, recontextualized or, or, or taken on as, as a, a cloak for, for the filmmakers themselves? Yeah, I think, and I think other film critics um, have, yeah, have taken on that, that label as a more positive term. Yeah, rather than, than something to like put down this whole subgenre. But yeah, I think it has been sort of um, been claimed by um, horror communities and film writers and stuff. 
Now, one of the the descriptors that I, I read in in the uh, kind of framing of this this series is transgressive. Mm-hmm. Is that like in a like filmmaking way or in a storytelling way? Like, what's what makes these films transgressive? Transgressive, or is there just like a variety of transgressions and they all kind of fit under this banner? Yeah, yeah, there's a variety in the way that um, that the films are made, and as well as the subject matter that they're addressing and yeah, just like their, their way of, of storytelling. I feel like, yeah, there's such transgressive sort of thought provoking films while at the same time being, um, can be quite gory and, and bloody and violent, but yeah, it's just like a very fascinating subgenre. Um, actually one of my, um, favorite pod- podcast hosts and writers, Alexandra West, she has a quote, she described these films as being, not just violent, but about violence, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm not violent for violence sakes, but like so, sort of a commentary on violence in some sense. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right. Now, Alexandra West is going to be involved in the series. She is, yeah. So she um, will be giving a discussion or a keynote um, on Saturday, September 25th at 730. Um, she won't be in the theater, but it will be done uh, virtually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm excited to, to chat with her about it. Does that opportunity like does it give you more opportunities to do something with someone further afield because now the expectation is they don't necessarily have to be there whereas like maybe before you would have had to like fly someone in for a Q&A or something oh absolutely yeah and I feel yeah with like travel restrictions and and just people's like availability like I think it's it is much more accessible to, for people to to do something virtually like over like Facebook live or, or zoom or anything like that right now, the four films that are part of the series, like in terms of selecting those four, was it kind mm-hmm. of the ones you felt were most emblematic of New French Extremity or like kind of your favorites or like how do you determine like what ends up in the in the billing? Yeah, um, I think because the genre, can, it kind of spans you know, more sort of art house, ethereal films to kind of rougher, grungier films and then to more sort of like straightforward horror films i kind of wanted to show um yeah the variety within the genre now speaking of the genre bikini drive and your your show your uh, you know is this kind of something that springs out of your your love of the of the genre kind of naturally and, and the stuff that you've been focused on as a broadcaster yeah yeah i've actually covered um the film martyrs in the show before so and i'm I really enjoy it. So yeah, it was seemed like a um a good choice to add to add that film to the series. So should people uh, pull up the podcast of Martyrs and and uh bone up on it before they come to the show or or do you want yeah, people to kind yeah, of Yeah, they, they could, yeah. <laughs> right on. Um on further on the horizon, do you have like other series kind of that you're kind of wish listing or or starting to kind of plot out? Yeah, um without giving yeah. Away. No, I, I don't like, mean like name the films or something. I'm just yeah. meaning like, you know, what, what kind of ideas do you have? Yeah. So I have a couple, um, things in the work. So, um, a folk horror series would be, I think would be really, really interesting. Um, as well as a black horror, um, programming series. Right on. Uh, mm-hmm. where's the best place for people to go for information and, and listings? Uh, they can go to winnipegcinematech.com. All the info is there as well as on our Facebook page. All the events are listed up there. For sure. Now, I mean, usually I get, uh, you know, interview guests to, to pick a song at the end of things. Is there something, 
Is there like a piece of score from one of these or? Oh, sure. Actually, um, in Trouble Every Day by Claire Denis, which we'll be screening, um, the band Tindersticks did the did the entire score for that film. Oh, great. Yeah. Love those guys. Uh, well, we'll play something from Tindersticks then. Uh, so the new French Extremity series runs September 24th to October 14th. Olivia, congrats on the new gig, and thanks for taking some time to talk about the upcoming series. Thank you so much, and yeah, so nice to talk to you. So don't try and understand I get on the inside of you You can blow it all away Such your slightest breath And I know who I am
Before the days become night, before the years become light, in this trip in Well, the collaborative effort of Cliff Aland and George Toll's status update available through at Bay Press. George Tolls will be appearing as part of the Thin Air Festival, the Winnipeg International Writers Festival, and he joins us on the show to discuss the book. Welcome, George. Hello, Michael. Now, I'm very curious because, I, I mean, your, your son uh, wrote the preface to this book and indicated that he made the selections that ended up in the book. W- were you right. involved with his efforts to Actually, what I I think I made a couple of requests. I said I wouldn't mind if the choice for the last entry was there, even though it it was written after the the period of my collaboration with Cliff, who the audience may not know it, Cliff Eland is someone who's no longer with us. He passed away a little more than a year ago, Uh, but his art responses were a large part of what got this project going. But getting back to your question, uh, I had written 1,750 micro-narratives every day from the end of 2008 on uh, till Cliff stopped illustrating. I mean, he, so he had 1,750 pieces of art matching up with the then total of 1,750 uh, written pieces which I've kept at, I mean, I've, I continue to do them every day and I haven't missed a day since 2008. But in any event, it was a huge number of 
literary pieces. And mm -hmm. frankly, I found the, the mountain of stuff and the task of choosing to be daunting. And I gave Thomas free reign with his choices. I said, um, what I don't want is a grouping of items by theme. I don't want the book to be too orderly, but it would be great if it had some sort of flow with, with surprises and things that collide with each other rather than build in an obvious way on each other. Now, Thomas has an extremely thorough knowledge of my work, my taste, my judgment. So what better editor I felt for such a task than he, but really he did make the selections and I thought they were fine. So you said that the very last one you had requested that that one be included, but did you request that that be the very last one as well? I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think because there wasn't an illustration or a, to be more accurate in our response, I thought that there were two ways we could go with it. Either he could pull one of Cliff's other pieces that he'd written, that he'd done for something else and just couple it with um, this entry. Or if, if Thomas didn't do that, it would probably need to go at the end. But Thomas decided, as he had with the others, to keep the, the date of first Facebook appearance. And, and because the topic of that entry had to do with death, among other things, and had to do with Cliff's sensibility, which seems to me a kind of eternally youth Peter Pan sensibility, ever the child, though also immensely sophisticated. Well, it seemed right for it to come at the end. Right. And for some reason, when I've read that particular entry in most of the interviews, that I've done for status update and it always gets a, a, a large response from whatever listeners there happen to be. Right. Now you mentioned giving him direction as far as not grouping things thematically. Yeah. Was, was that to attempt to kind of illustrate how you'd gone about status well, updates over the course me, okay. of things like that you hadn't grouped them or I thought think, of them i think i'm just gonna back up a bit sure. i mean when i started in 2008 doing these short pieces on facebook um the shortest of them are one sentence long the longest a lengthy paragraph so i guess they come under the heading of not only microfiction, but flash fiction. It's a short form. But when I started, I mean, the, the place where these pieces were going to appear was not insignificant as far as I was concerned. I mean, I was on Facebook and 
trying to find some justification for being there. Mm. And it struck me that Facebook was, at least at that time, maybe still, the rock bottom, the sub-basement of artistic media for, let's say, for serious attempts at art production. Uh, and so that gave me a feeling of, well, there's not a whole, it's not a very high bar, whatever I decide to do. But then it occurred to me, looking at this um, feature of Facebook, the status update, uh, what are you doing? How are you feeling? And that seemed to me to have the potential of being some sort of as yet undefined literary genre. What are, what is a status update? What are the parameters of such a thing? What kinds of tone, what kinds of story, what kinds of perspective uh, might be right for it? And I had, no idea where I was going initially or what to do. So I just started trying things out. And I think I've stayed faithful to that original mission. I mean, John Ashbery, the great poet, once said that one of the key components of any art attempt uh, should be surprised. And I guess I figured out early on with the status update, what I didn't want to do was develop a formula to, of um, for the material as well as the predictable aspect of length. It's going to be brief. And of course, trying to hold the ever dwindling attention span of Facebook readership was also a consideration. But I, I thought uh, that each day should, should not be a a mimicking or continuation of the mood or subject matter, content, tone, effect of what went before, uh, that I wanted there to be lots of different things going on as I tried to map out the possibilities for myself. I didn't immediately decide to mostly exclude first-person narratives. I think in the early months, I would, because there was at that time, I think a strict restriction on number of characters per entry. And so I think initially it was, a, it was there were more clearly personal use of me or I, as the entry, but again, quite early on, I decided um, however much things might have to do with 
who I am, my history, to assign everything to named characters. So there wasn't that clear uh, signaling of autobiographical or purely fictional intent. And yeah, and I think, I think there was probably a greater emphasis on the sharply comic and surreal in the early days, or at least. But once I'd done a few entries, which I felt were, had a more, well, an emotional or sentimental thrust to them. I, I didn't want sentimentality. I didn't want to be doing memes, but I wanted um, to see how much you could um, work in, both in terms of story events, but also feelings that you could generate through those events in a, in a short space. So, yeah, the idea was that anything is possible, but I don't want um, a reader to know from day to day how it's going to be coming at them. And when Thomas made a selection, I think he successfully preserved that anything can happen from one entry to the next quality, which I think still uh, determines my approach to the status update. In the, the early days of this, did you see it as an opportunity for play or an opportunity for practice? Like, did you, well, did you approach I think it? It's both, I think it's both. both. Um, I had been doing screenplays in addition to most of them with Guy Madden and in addition to directing plays uh, in with some with some regularity and quantity, and there had been a a moratorium on screenwriting for a while, and I was still writing literary essay, rather film essays, literary essays, but I wanted um, to keep my hand in as a writer. But I love your selection of words, was it play or is it practice? Um, I'd like to say whenever I'm writing, one, I'm in the dark, I don't know what I'm going to do, uh, but I'm going to play my way out. Um, and But it is, it is practice, uh, which doesn't make perfect writing, thankfully, never allows you to be perfect, though there may be sentences that stay sufficiently satisfying that you wouldn't want to revise them, but still that, um, and it did a number of things. I think doing these Facebook status updates, giving myself really no more than an hour to craft them, uh, and then having to press post, uh, ready or not, here it must be. Um, it's, it's a little bit of alarm and fear about um, putting things out before they're 
maybe completely ready and right. But, um, but that was part of the self-imposed discipline of it. And just being able to do that, to post every day, whether I felt particularly inspired or not, so trying my level best to do something that is at least not disgraceful um, on a daily basis. One thing that it did for my other writing, I'd always written first drafts by hand and then typing the drafts on computer, I would do significant revisions, but there was always two stages to my writing. I think the practice, the practice of status updates weaned me from the handwriting, the draft stage that I had used for so many years. Now, there may be sacrifices to this. I do think when you're writing by hand, you're drawing on maybe a, a different territory in your brain to some extent, and whatever the merits of that I've lost. But there's been, I think, a as, a as a benefit of the process, an increased ease in, um, working through a draft comfortably unselfconsciously on the computer. And so yes, play and practice, always practice are both hugely important. I mean, writing is another way for me to feel in the best sense, like a child. So you said you gave yourself an hour, like during that time, are you like writing something and then editing it on the on Facebook, like, or like, what was the process like? Uh, for it, that? it depends. I mean, sometimes I, I mean, short as these things are, they've got to have a beginning, uh, at least a little uh, squiggle of a middle and an ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea, I mean, you, there has to be a kind of structure to it. If I know what the in advance of sitting down what what the ending is going to be, um, it often makes it easier to launch it. Uh, I'm writing toward that ending, but also I would say the, the first sentence is um, almost as important as the ending in that a paragraph can seem like too much for a prospective reader if that first sentence doesn't have something that tickles one's fancy, if it doesn't somehow awaken one's curiosity about what sentence might follow it. So, but um, yeah, I, I try to find if when I'm writing, if I don't have an ending, a, a a first sentence which gets me going imaginatively. And sometimes I don't know where it's going to lead, uh, but things just, you know, when you do something long enough, I mean, at the beginning of a status update, I really had no part of my consciousness, which was 
um, dwelling on status updates, ideas, content, uh, approaches. But having done these now for over a decade, um, I think I'm, whatever happens to me during the day, I'm perhaps making tiny file notes about possible status update applicability. Mm. Um, but really, I think some of the ones that have been most enjoyable for me to write are those where I have a first sentence uh, and a character name, but nothing beyond that. And, and I just let it let it take me over. I mean, it's weird how sometimes within a sentence, it's like acting a role on stage. I'm just in that solidly inside that perspective or point of view or plight and things prompt me. And I try to trust the prompts, but a certain amount of revision, sometimes there are repeated words or phrases or things. I mean, if, I, if I'm going fast and sometimes sentences are a little cumbersome, I, I try to speak things aloud to make sure it's got uh, an, an inviting cadence or rhythm to it. Right. Um, but that's, as, I guess, about as specific as I'm able to be. Has the seed of a status update ever blossomed into something larger? Like, have you written a character within a, a status update and then wanted well, to... Well, actually, um, there's only one repeating character in status updates. And I don't know why this is. I like the name, first of all, Pastor Pete. Uh, Pastor Pete is just a, a sometimes well-meaning, but generally clueless uh, Christian uh, minister who's, who's always giving biz bizarre or foolish twists on spiritual thinking. So, I mean, in a sense, there there are a large number of Pastor Pete entries over the years, but he's strangely, he's the only one. Um, I would say that if there's an idea that I've especially liked, uh, I won't, I don't do it a sequel or a continuation, but perhaps I might revisit the ground, I, not immediately and do something related to it. Now, obviously, since I'm not going back to these things and reading them over, um, there's always the risk of, in, of unplanned repetition. Mm -hmm. But weirdly, I have a sense, maybe not 100% accurate if I've done something too close for comfort with this topic before, and something says, uh, "No, another way, another thing. Don't do, don't do this." 
but um, but no, I haven't built now something that I mean something might turn into the scenario for a play or for a short story, but no dice so far. I mean the 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 entity on Facebook is is what it is in their entirety, and some people ask if there is going. I mean they feel it. It hasn't ended in a, in a manner that seemed to them final uh, and they ask for more, but I, I always try to supply an ending, which seems to me an ending of this particular thing. And that's all there is. Uh, I mean, it, of course, anything can be continued, but um, what interests me are these particular pieces arranged in this particular order with that effect or resting place as right. the close. And of, hopefully there's room for imaginative and emotional work on the part of the reader in, in certain instances. Now, before I go, I want to ask you, in terms of the, the, the relationship with Cliff, like, would you describe what you the two of you did as like a collaboration or a conversation, or did yeah, you ever so put it to words? It's interesting. Um, when we started, I mean, the fact is he's a, he was a great artist who helped all kinds of friends out in, in diverse ways. And I had no idea that he would be interested. A couple of people had, had volunteered to do illustrations or responses um, to updates before Cliff came along. And though some of them are okay, I, but I did not want in, the ter in terms of visual addition was illustration of the, of the content of the update. I didn't want that. I wanted it to be something in dialogue with it, but not merely representing what the words are doing in, in, a, in a clearly mirroring way. And when Cliff said, could I do a few of these? I, I think I'd enjoy it. At first he did a small number and then he made the uh, stunning announcement that he wanted to do art responses for every one of them that I'd done so far and to keep going with it. And this was, Fantastic. I said, Cliff, I am delighted. Whatever you choose to do, I guarantee you will be fine with me, more than fine. And we had, I would call it a collaboration, but it was a collaboration with next to no updates in terms of, well, this is this is what I would like you to consider doing or, or what I want. I mean, uh, I would sometimes say, uh, gosh, that today's was just a out of the park piece of art. I mean, occasionally, but really there was, there was no conversation, just um, we were in dialogue on the computer with him with I think equal swiftness uh, creating art that somehow 
worked in relation to what I was doing. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that you kind of set it up that way that you didn't want it to be like a one-to-one -one kind of representation, but more, more no. of no. A, a, a different approach. And I mean, that sounds like it's part and parcel of how you took your approach to just each individual status update too, that that was. Right. Yes. I think you're completely right about that. But I, I mean, it, Cliff stopped work on the updates as a regular thing at the end of 2013. And at that time, I briefly considered taking a hiatus or a holiday from it as well. But I felt that if I, I always felt that if I stopped my self-imposed schedule of a, an update every single day, uh, that I would lose the momentum. And so I, I went forward and Cliff did do some updates occasionally now and then after that, but they weren't done on a regular basis. And he had many other commitments. And it was also his illness sometimes was a, a great and somewhat incapacitating challenge for him. Undoubtedly. Well, the book is Status Update out via At Bay Press. George Tolls will be appearing as part of the Thin Air Winnipeg International Writers Festival. George, thanks very much for taking some time to talk about the book. Well, thank you for such an excellent set of questions. I hope I didn't answer them in too wearisome length. That was, that was delightful. Not at all. Not at all. Okay. Guess I'm making a game of it Wanna hear it at the bottom of the well If I had to put a name on it Let's just say a broken spell Or the rhythm of the do-getter They got no problem saying no Guess I wanna be a go-getter But I gotta put my shit on hold Think I'll have a better while open I'll even love the let me down I told you that I had to go Gotta run like a river You're moving much too slow Would you blame it on the water If I told you that I had to go Gotta run like a river You're moving much too slow Are you speaking to the dark of me? Baby 
Kelsey Wilson recording under the name Sir Woman with a new single called Blame It on the Water. My thanks to George Tolls and Olivia Norquay for joining me on the show tonight. That's pretty much it for us. Keep it locked. Stick around for After 8 Radio. Before I go, a new single from L.A. Witch. This is Ghost on the Highway here on 101.5 UMFM.